Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely killer talk with Elon University's Nick DeMarco. Guys, after a quick little intro, Nick is going to dive right into how he's training the football guys down there, and he's doing some pretty unique stuff. Uh, he's going to get into, you know, looking at how they train change of direction versus agility and start talking about how they're different and looks into even some issues that he, he sees with how some people coach it and develop it with their athletes. Uh, we then touch upon energy system development, some different things he's doing there. He runs down the rabbit hole of how he vets his assistants and how he looks at uh, or for different things with people when he's hiring. And then we get into the role of autonomy with training and you know where he sees that impact and how he looks to his athletes for you know direction, advice, but also to make sure that they understand what he's trying to get them to learn. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm stoked for this one because anytime we can get a, a coach that's 
that's killing it down there and doing some things a little different. I get fired up to hear what's going on. So for, for the person and a half who doesn't know who you are and where you're at, let's give them the, the quick, uh, Cliff Notes version of uh, how you got down there and what you got cooking. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Nick DeMarco, the director of sports performance down at Elon University at Elon, North Carolina. Been here for just over a year now. I got here in March of last year. Came here by way of uh, the University of Iowa. I was an assistant strength and conditioning coach there, just working with football for almost three and a half years. Um, I went there in January of 2015, right when I finished up playing uh, my football career. My junior and senior year with the football staff and Coach Doyle. Um, and prior to that, I went to William Penn University. That's where I played football um, from 2010 to 2014. And during that time, I was able to intern with Ike Hamerly, who was a probably my biggest mentor outside of Coach Doyle as well, um, and gain a ton of experience as an undergrad. I got to train multiple teams and work with a lot of teams and just kind of be a leech, hang out with those coaches a lot. So it's been a pretty quick path to get me to here, but it's been a, a great learning experience along the way. Yeah, and some really interesting people to learn under. I mean, obviously, when you hear the name Doyle, everybody knows what's going on, you know, with with what we're trying to get from there. But um, your path has brought you to some some interesting ideas and, and methods and viewpoints when it comes to training American football athletes. So let's talk about that. What what is unique to what you guys have going down there in North Carolina? Um. I would say there's a lot unique compared to the typical, um, you know, football setup. It's so much tradition based of this, is what we've done since 1970s when my coach had me do this and it's back squats, cleans, deadlifts, bench press and close change of direction drills, 300 yard shuttles, hundred yard strides, whatever it may be. Um, just all very basic meat and potatoes stuff that is more powerlifting than sports performance, uh, in my opinion. So I would say that, you know, what we're doing is a little bit more tailored towards improving on-field performance as much as we can. Obviously, we're not the sport coach, but doing as much as we can to carry over relevant skills to the actual sport. Um, and that goes through the way we're training within the weight room, the way we're training on the field, specifically our conditioning stuff, our agility stuff versus change of direction. Um, and just our general outlook is a lot more geared towards performance rather than moving big weights at the sake of moving big weights. I love it. And I love that we're talking about something that you just brought up. That's something that I think uh, gets kind of treated like they're the same boat, but really they might not even be in the same fleet. And that's the idea of change of direction versus agility. Let's run down that rabbit hole. First of all, let's see what Nick thinks when it comes to how you delineate those two. And then how are you progressing from A to B? So I'll start with the second part, actually. Progressing from A to B, I think, is where most people mess that up it's like well we can't do agility until we can do change of direction really effectively but i've seen a lot of good football players who aren't the greatest change of direction and vice versa um and so i think when we treat them as one skill in the same or a progression of the two you're kind of missing the boat because they're just two completely separate qualities so for us 
we're not really doing a ton of true change of direction outside of at the end of our performance prep, we will do some, you know, like a push to move step, a crossover step. We'll teach a bucket step. We'll expose guys to curve linear patterns, starts and stops at various angles. And we'll kind of progress those things. And it's kind of more of a checks and balances of getting some good starts and stops in multiple planes from like an injury prevention standpoint. Um, but in no way do I think that has a huge carryover to the field um, versus it, when we start summer, summer one or winter one and we're on the field, we are doing agility work immediately. And that is everything from the, you know, like the OODA loop is probably the easiest way. So the observe, orient, decide, act and having something to where you're actually responding to another human. And for us, that starts as simple as in our performance prep. We're not doing a thousand a skips a year um, we're not going to do a bunch of leg swing skips we'll do everything basically lower levels reacting to another person um, and then when we get into our true agility work we have four separate categories that we kind of run with of a mirror category a dodge category a chaser category and a score category because any sport really basketball football soccer etc you're trying to either aid someone or defend them um, and it's pretty simple. It's one-on-one, -on -one, it's two-on-two. -two. You know, we can change the demands by making the size bigger, adding other objects to it, adding more demands to it from a coaching standpoint of what they have to execute. Um, so it's very easy to progress, but when we start, it's as simple as a one-on-one -on -one drill in any of those four categories. I love it. I love it. So let's get into those four categories. How are you looking to progress in those? Uh, because I think that, again, those are things that people sometimes like to, like pie and ice cream go good together, but you don't bake the pie with the ice cream. I think people try to put them together and, and make them be one thing as opposed to combining the two to build it. Yeah. Um, you know, so our... Our categories, we kind of we'll go on a high-low structure when we're training anyway. So Tuesdays and Fridays are our biggest days. Tuesday being the highest, and so on Tuesdays we do a mirror variation and a chaser variation. On Fridays we're doing a score variation and a dodge chaser or mirror variation. The dodge variation is our smallest one, and that's more of like offensive skill guys where they catch a ball like over the shoulder and try and dodge, go opposite of the other person. Um, because within the mirror drill, you're kind of getting some dodge. So that one has a little bit of, of overlap. But in the simplest way, when we start, like I think almost anyone in strength and conditioning, if they don't, they should um, know like just the basic mirror dodge drill, one-on-one, -on -one, five yards apart, I'm running, and you're trying to shuffle, stay right in front of me, stay square the entire time. Very simple drill done, you know, close quarters, small space, from there, we can progress it. You know, if you look at our like Elon Sports Performance uh, YouTube page, I think we have probably 40 variations of mere dodge drills. Um, but we can progress it to one guy has his back to the offensive guy. So as a defender in basketball, if you're playing a zone defense, a DB in his own defense, you have your back to the guy. Obviously, it's harder to locate. So just kind of increasing the complexity through very little nuanced changes. And I think, like, if you listen to very intelligent people on the agility stuff, like Michael Zweifel, the BBA guy, is a genius. Um, Corey Van Wick, Sean Mishka, all those guys. But they're a little bit too smart for me. I can't understand some of the stuff they say. But, um, 
everything that they do is just kind of varying the constraints and you always have reps without rep is like their main thing of if you do 10 mere dodge drills every one of them will be slightly different versus if you're doing the pro agility you know your goal is to have every rep look the exact same yeah man i love this so then let's talk because you were talking a little bit earlier about your prep blocks and what you're doing in the weight room um, now, when we're talking about things carrying over to performance, talking about things of this nature, obviously your training in the weight room is going to be a little different. So how does Nick look at that? How does Nick look at what he's doing with, with, the, with the, the men you get to work with when it comes to this agility, change of direction, depending on the time of year work and how the weight room is impacted slash impacts that? Yeah, so we'll, I think, most people are doing this, it seems like, to an extent. Um, but within the weight room, we definitely have a progression the way we're doing things. And so we'll have a foundations program, foundations plus, advanced, advanced plus. And your foundations is your your first guys. So when they come in, they're doing everything concurrently because it's so easy for them to be able to gain strength, gain speed, agility all at one time just because they haven't been exposed to it. Um, but everything we do with them is pretty low dose, high frequency. And that is, you know, our foundations and foundations plus, that is the only time where strength is really kind of a big emphasis because at that point they're so undertrained that it really has a huge carryover, as most people know, to the speed, vertical jump, things like that right away. But I think where most people miss the boat is after, you know, at least a year, two years in the program when a guy has the requisite strength levels, why are we still chasing a five-pounding in squat or bench press when that's, if anything, maybe hurting the guy's chances of being a better football player. Um, so then we'll go into more of our rate of force development emphasis and a lot more emphasis on speed. Um, and the entire time we're operating off of kind of a high low. So most people try and do speed work and agility work so often and strength work so often that they never really have a, a goal in their program. So you're not optimizing the performance of any of those things. Um, and for us, we only go two days a week of speed. And on those two days, that is the main goal is speed and agility and getting better at those things that are going to carry over to the field. Um, like the Dan Paff, everyone writes a novel on the weight room and then cliff notes on the field. Like on the field is the most important aspect to us. A thousand percent, because as much as we'd love, you know, the meatheads in us would love for them to freaking wheel a squat rack out there and have these boys start slanging and banging. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, there's always those guys who are incredibly strong and then they get on the field and they're just complete stiffs. You don't have too many guys that are really fast, really reactive and really bad football players generally, at least less of than the just pure meathead guys. And that's not to say that we're not trying to get guys stronger by any means. We definitely are. Um, and we have a huge unilateral emphasis just in our squatting stuff because that, we believe, carries over a lot more to the change of direction, agility type stuff, and just on-field performance in general. Um, but in the weight room, we're trying to facilitate our speed work more so than just facilitate being a strong human for the sake of being strong. Right. And then you also touched upon early on, you know, the idea of the tradition of football and, and different, I don't know, running activities that have been yeah. done in the past. Let's talk about how you're looking at that, how you're building these guys to best be prepared for camp in the game. Yeah. And for us, I mean, I, I have a 
decent background in like kind of the sports science area of at Iowa. That's kind of what I handled was the GPS, force plate, things of that nature. And if you look at the data of a game and just understand the demands of it, you know, a typical game is, you know, X amount of hours, obviously you're out there for a long time, but within the game itself, you're not really doing a whole lot of work. You know, if we look at it and we have our like game demands sheet, it was within the game, there's actually, let me look this up here, nine minutes of total work in a game. The typical play is obviously three to seven seconds. Time per special team play was like six to eight seconds and the rest between is usually 20 to 40 seconds. But then in between each series, you're getting six to seven minutes. So when you go out to practice, the biggest fear of like every coach, football coach, basketball coach, strength coach is people just standing around. But in reality, that is most of what a game is, you know. Um, so for us, if we're preparing guys, we still have to prepare them for practice because that's generally a lot more workload than the game. But everything will fall into that generally that three to seven second window of very aggressive work and then taking a rest. So if we're doing our like Friday conditioning, we just call it like kind of quarters conditioning. And our goal is to get to 75 to 100 plays, quote unquote, and that is the one time that we'll use more kind of closed agility or uh, not agility drills, just change of direction drills. And we'll have it by position. So the linemen, three quarters of their plays, they're pushing a prowler. The skill guys, three quarters of their plays are probably 15 to 20 yards in distance and at high speeds. And our DBs are doing more backpedaling, crossover run, things of that nature. But they're all in that kind of target time of we go about five to seven seconds and then give them about 20 to 40 seconds rest, and then we'll break those plays up into series. Um, and then we still do some aerobic work, uh, but it's generally like 40s, or we'll do like an S-curve, a curve, even some like minor change of direction stuff at extensive tempos on those aerobic lower days just to increase their volumes over time. Um, and then Tuesday, our big conditioning is what we call agility ball, so again, going back to that agility concept, we'll start out with like two on two or three on three and a soccer ball. And it's basically like ultimate Frisbee with a soccer ball. And they're trying to score the team that wins the most points. We'll kind of rotate fields and make it like a little bit of a tournament type action. Um, and throughout the summer, we'll go from aerobic to anaerobic to alactic type games and kind of vary the number of people out on the field versus, you know, I'd say most traditional people are running if they're closer to the spectrum, 55, 60 yard shuttles, things of that nature. And then the true tradition based people are probably running 300 yard shuttles, hundreds, one fifties, anything of that variety that is just completely so far removed from the sport. All of this is sensational. And all of this is bringing me to, to a very interesting question in my mind. So selfishly, when you are an individual who utilizes some techniques and methods and means that may not be considered of the norm, yep. someone in a director position who has to hire, how, how do you vet your assistants then? Because this is something that, like, if you just bring in someone who's from 
more of a traditional powerhouse, they may not. And this is not to say that football strength coaches cannot figure things out and all of these. Yeah. Things. Let's not put, <laughs> let's not let's not twist this. What, what I'm saying is, if if someone hasn't been exposed to something like this or been involved in something like this, the learning curve could be excessive. So yeah. how how is how do you vet? your assistants or your interns or whatever it may be to make sure that they're people that are open-minded and forward-thinking enough to be able to take a step back and look at something like this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have five other guys on staff and then like this summer, I think we have seven or eight interns coming in, um, which Cameron Ring said heads up our internship program who he worked for you a couple summers ago, I believe now. Um, and, all I'm looking for in our, our full-time staff specifically is anyone that is just very eager to learn and eager to try new things. And honestly, like Jordan Newsma is our most recent hire, who he's probably had the biggest impact on our agility work. Um, him and Cameron Joss is a guy that I've spoke to a lot about it. Um, and he was an intern at Minnesota, Wisconsin, and they were doing basically nothing the same way that we were. Um, but he's just a very progressive guy who's eager to kind of try those things. And, you know, I came from Iowa and we did a lot of very like kind of, you know, I'd say like cutting edge type principles versus the traditional base stuff. But we still weren't to this extreme. Um, but I was always kind of hungry for those things. So as long as a guy is really hungry to learn and, you know, the same things of any any position, the guy has a good attitude, effort, discipline, and he's a very detail-oriented person, then I'd hire him. But you definitely have to be at least a forward-thinking person and not just a uh, complete meathead. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't consider him. I love it. Now, let's go back then as a forward-thinking person that you are. Where do you see this evolving to? Like, where does, you know, when you're, when you're on a different curve of some other people, you, you typically are trying to continue to think ahead a step or two. So. Mm -hmm. With, with this being a little bit more of a out-of-the-box type methodology that you're utilizing, how do you see this evolving and developing and moving forward so that the men you get to coach continue to have these improvements? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself like an innovative person at all, honestly. Like if I watch BBA stuff or like Vernon Griffith, I'm like, Jesus, these guys are geniuses. They come up with new great stuff like every day. I don't come up with anything. I just steal their stuff and I'm not scared to implement it. Um, so I don't know necessarily the, like the next new thing we'd be doing. Otherwise, we'd probably be doing it. But anything that is is I can see a benefit too. And I think it just goes back to like here when flat talks about all the time of just understand the game and work backwards from there. And if I see anything that closely resembles the game in a way that it will improve performance or improve the likelihood of keeping guys healthy, then we're definitely going to try and implement it. But from the agility standpoint, you know, that went from just something that we kind of dabbled in a year ago to, something that we're consistently training and really believe in. And now that's gone into our performance prep instead of just the typical warm up. It's really expanded the way we've done things and gave the players a lot more autonomy and what they think is actually preparing them a lot better and created some more buy-in from them. Um, and then it's transferred as far as to our conditioning stuff. And I think that's kind of where we'll go the most now is more so the conditioning realm of 
trying to get away from so much just closed drills and really get into a lot more agility based conditioning. All right, so you just opened up another can of worms and one that I'm really big into, and that is giving the athletes autonomy. So let's talk about how that's impacted what you're doing, and let's talk about how that started and what extreme, if that's the word, um, yeah. you're willing to go to with that. Um, so we definitely still, you know, especially dealing with like football, I think if I was just working with basketball, it'd be even more autonomous because you have like 12 guys and you get very good relationships with them. Um, when you're dealing with a hundred guys, there's definitely a certain level of just detailed stuff that is on a coach's cadence, etc. cetera. Uh, but for me, like as an athlete, the thing I hated the most was warming up. And I would definitely be that guy that like coaches hated, like, God damn it, DeMarco, will you just do something during the warm up? Um, and, you know, I just think if you create autonomy within that, so, and it's all stolen from Michael's rifle, but instead of, we do a high knee skip for 20 yards or we lunge for 20 yards with a reach and we do, you know, everyone does their slow tempo stuff, then fast tempo stuff. We'll go a lunge with a reach and do an acceleration. And every single lunge, I want them to be creative, make it slightly different. Um, we'll do 10 squats, but every squat has to be slightly different. Um, anything we can just kind of create some autonomy for them. And then when we get into our up-tempo stuff, it's always a one-on-one -on -one drill. So instead of like your traditional um, shuffle where, hey, we're shuffling three yards, turn and run, it's one-on-one -on -one versus another guy and they're facing each other and it's completely dependent on the offensive guy what pace he goes at. They can do a shuffle march, they can pick it up. Just once they get through five to seven yards, they can take off and sprint and it's all kind of dictated by them. Um, and then we will leave a little bit of wiggle room too for just a few of the slower tempo movements into accelerations, kind of just their choice, pick whichever one that they think benefits them the greatest within the weight room. It kind of depends on the time of year, but in season specifically, we will always give guys options on especially our power development stuff and our lower body push movements, just because there's, you're going to have guys in season who don't want to rip off a heavy trap bar deadlift necessarily after a big game. So for them, they could do a rear foot elevated split squat instead of hitting a clean, because we will have some guys that still perform the clean. They can do dumbbell jumps, et cetera. Um, but I still am kind of drifting more towards the giving guys autonomy and kind of giving them a choice on a lot of things. And then we just do surveys too. Like we're doing one right now that, the guys have to get back to me this week of what do they enjoy the most? What do they want more of? What do, what do they want less of? And obviously they're not going to get everything they want, but there is a, a happy medium to involving your athletes in the process. I think a thousand percent. Now, how long have you been doing those surveys? Um, so this is only our second one. We did that last winter or this winter coming into the season. And then we are doing it for the summer here. And now how big of an impact did that have on what you guys did? leading up to spring ball and into now? Uh, pretty decent. Like, so our, our warm-up stuff that we just kind of experimented with in the winter, you know, the guys just talking to them too. And, and not always is a survey either. It's just you talk to your guys daily. Hey, did you like that? You know, if we try something new, no, I coach, I didn't like that at all. Okay. <laughs> you know, if, if 10 out of 10 hated it and I don't think it's a huge improvement and I can do something else and I'll do something else if it's going to give you the same results. Um, 
but yeah, the surveys in the winter just led us towards, you know, more autonomy in certain situations and being a little bit more detailed, like going on a cadence in other situations where guys, you know, just wanted to be pushed in that direction. And then just have more fun with more game activities that guys could get involved with versus the traditional condition. And you stand there and you wait for 30 seconds versus if we can go out on an aerobic day and play agility ball and guys have fun while conditioning versus hating it and having really low intent to what they're doing. I think it's a huge benefit. 1000% because the, the best way for them to know that, the best way for them to buy in is for them to know that you're bought into them. Yeah. <laughs> That's well said. Yeah. So listen, Nick, let me get you out of here on this, man. Where, where can people see what you're doing? Where can they find out what's going on down there? And where, where can they, you know, get in touch with what you're, what you're cooking? Yeah. Following me probably isn't your greatest uh, follow. I don't really put out a whole lot of information, but if you follow Elon sports performance on Twitter or Instagram, Cameron Ringstead's kind of in charge of that, our head sports performance coach. And he, and along with our staff and myself, will kind of cook up some ideas for a month or so at a time and just kind of blast those things out two or three times a week. That's all kind of educational for athletes and coaches. Um, and then within our Elon Sports Performance YouTube page, we did it selfishly because it's all linked to our exercise menu when we send it out to our athletes. Um, but it also is just a huge help for any coaches or interns that we have. If you want to see any of the movements we do, it's all broken down by category and there's thousand plus movements on there. So especially in the agility aspect, if you're really interested in that or the performance prep warm up stuff that we do, you can check it out there. Awesome, brother. We'll make sure we link those below. Uh, also, I'll make sure that I bleep out Cameron's name. I'm not going to, not sure <laughs> I can give him all the love that he's going to get in here. Cam, I'm kidding. Sort of. Um, but no, man, Nick, this is sensational, bro. I, I truly am grateful for your time, man. And, and this is awesome. Keep up the great work. Keep pushing people to be better. And uh, yeah, people are going to love this talk, bro. I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Coach, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, we'll be in touch real soon, brother. Thank you. Sounds good. Have a good one. You too. And a huge thank you to Elon University's Nick DeMarco for spending the time with us today. Guys, I mean, open, honest, candid sharing, a, a guy breaking down ideas, sharing with us exactly what he's doing, the reasons behind it, the people he learned from. I can't thank Nick enough for spending the time with us today. This was absolutely sensational. Uh, guys, and, and in all seriousness, like a lot of things here that we can take away and look at, you know, and, and some things that are making me look at some stuff that we're doing here and, and kind of question some directions I'm going with uh, in the summer with our guys and, and making some changes with us. So, Nick, awesome stuff, man. Truly appreciate it. Keep up the great work down there, brother. And Cam, hope you're doing well too, brother. Miss you up here. As always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you you for everything that you do for us here at central virginia sport performance we will be back next week with another awesome guest we will see you then